want to talk to you today. Uh, we're going to be speaking out of the fourth chapter of Philippians. If you have a Bible, if you want to turn there. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about freedom from fear. Uh, there's, a, there's a series of paintings that was uh, developed by Norman Rockwell in 1943. It's called the Freedom Series. We were in the middle of World War II. And Norman Rockwell, which was uh, iconic Americana, everything that he did pictured America at that time. He painted this series of four prints to help us understand why we were fighting what we were fighting for. And, and the four of them was freedom of fear, but there was two freedoms, the freedom of religion. Aren't you glad we have freedom of religion? <laughs> freedom of speech. Aren't you glad we can say what we want, whether we agree with it or not? You have a right to say those things. Freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom from fear. And I want to talk to you today about freedom from want. Want. That's a great word. It's, it's a verb and a noun. And I think a lot of times we get the word confused. We think that when we read it in Scripture and, and there's speaking of want, we're speaking of needs or desires, and we use it as a verb, a verb that I want to possess something. The Bible talks a lot about want as a verb, but it's more in the context of, of desire or lust or something that you don't necessarily need. But when the scripture talks about want, in this context, it's a noun. A noun, it, it, it's something that you don't have. It's something that you're, it's, a, it's a lack of, it's a deficiency of. It's the state of being without something that you really need. Not something that you really want. When you go to the store with your kids when they were little, there was a lot of things they really needed on that toy aisle. They didn't want them. They needed them. There's a difference and what Scripture talks about, speaking to us, is it's speaking on the context or content of what we have, what we really need. And, and want can be a physical need. It can be you could be wanting for food or, or for shelter or for clothing. It can be an emotional need of love, acceptance, kindness, generosity. It could be a spiritual need of closeness to God, uh, maybe the peace of God or the joy of the Lord. So want, the things that we need can be physical, emotional, spiritual in our lives. And this is one thing that I do know about each and every one of us in here. All of us, as humanity, we pursue self-preservation. The things that we are want of, the things that we need, we pursue them. I think we pursue the verbs as well, the things that when we are going down the, the toy store uh, aisle of life, things that we 
would like to have, but we decide that we really need them. Life, about all of us, all of us we seek in this life to be free from want, from real want, from lacking in anything. We, we follow those, we vote for those that, that we perceive in our mind, in our understanding, in our comprehension. Those that, that can give us the things that we are want of, the things that we have to have. I can tell you one thing that freedom from want is not. Freedom from want is not always getting your way. Freedom from want is not always having everything you desire. And freedom from want is never... Uh, facing tough times my my true the truth of that is even though uh, you're in life and you're going to live you're going to go through times that you're not going to get your way you're going to go through times that you don't have everything you desire and you're going to go through times that that are going to be very very tough to face that's life but what does the scripture say about the times of want, the times when you are without, the times that you don't have the basics that you really need? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there physically when you just had to make a decision, am I going to pay my bills or am I going to eat? You know, 70% of America right now lives paycheck to paycheck to paycheck. Seven out of every 10 of us live paycheck to paycheck to paycheck and as prices rise i was talking to somebody uh just this last week that was talking about in the travel agents in the uh, in the area of travel is starting to decrease because people are having to decide what they can really afford and what is really a want and what is a desire but the scripture talks to us about how we approach the, these times in our lives when there is a want, when there is a need, a real physical, spiritual, or emotional need, something that you are faced with that you need it to happen in your life. Paul addresses this in, in the church in philippi in philippians chapter 4 i would like to read verses 6 through 13 if you would if you're there paul tells him he says don't be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving present your request to god and the peace of god which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in christ jesus finally brothers Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that, you, that at last you have renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you have been concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it's like to be in need. I know what it is like to be content, to have plenty. I know, 
I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do everything through him who gives me strength. Paul is talking to the church in Philippi, and he's saying you're going to have times of want. You're going to have times of physical want, spiritual want, emotional want, and here's how you approach them. And the very first thing, if you notice in that passage of Scripture, Paul references is don't be anxious. You know what my first thought is? Right. You know why the Bible talks about don't be anxious, or you hear the phrase fear not so many times? Because we're anxious and we fear. That's humanity. Paul says, don't be anxious about everything, about anything. There is nothing in life that, that you should be anxious and worried over, but he says, in everything, not in some things, but in everything by prayer and petition. In other words, don't be anxious. How are you not anxious? Number one, pray about everything. Pray about everything. Pray while you're driving down the road. Talk to God about every situation that you're in. Be focused in mind and heart and spirit on how God is going to answer the need in your life. Talk to him. Don't think that you have... Thinking about how, that we have to come up with the answers, man, that's terrifying. Can you imagine thinking that you have to come up with all the answers to everything in your life? I know myself well enough that, as uh, President Obama said once, that's above my pay grade. I don't think there's a person ever born outside of Christ that has the answers to everything that comes their way. And when you don't, talk to God. Listen to this. When you don't talk to God, you're talking to yourself or you're talking to others. And when you're talking to yourself, that is a one-sided conversation. You ever felt anxiety in your life? Here's how I deal with anxiety. I talk myself down. I feel anxiety and I say, okay, God, here it is. And I calm myself down. And then my brain says, after I'm all calmed down, hey, let's freak out. And I say, okay, let's do it. That's how anxiety works. When you're talking to yourself, you're always going to end up on the wrong side. You're going to always end up on the side of emotional trauma. But when you're talking to God, and you're getting into a relationship with God and you're speaking to him about everything in your life it transforms how you look at things he says don't be anxious but pray about everything and he says not only pray and bring your petitions but do it with thankfulness how do you pray and ask God and be thankful are you being thankful for everything? My, my father-in-law once took a trip to, to Mexico with a young guy that was uh, 
a little more charismatic than my father-in-law. And he said, all the way down to Mexico and all the way back, he, was, he had a box of crackers, and he would take a cracker out and say, Lord, I thank you so much for this cracker. And then he'd eat it. And then he would take another one, say, Lord, I thank you for this cracker. And then he would eat it. And after about 27 crackers, my father-in-law pointed out that he could pray for the whole box. Pray about everything, but pray with thanksgiving. Develop a thankful spirit. That's hard to do. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, Give thanks in all circumstances. It doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances, but in all circumstances, give thanks. Why? Because God will never leave you nor forsake you. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Being thankful is a developed attitude. Let me say that again. Being thankful is a developed attitude. Sometimes we, we have thankfulness in our heart for some things, but not all things. Sometimes you, you walk through a, a want and you, and you find yourself in despair. And when you're trying to talk to God, uh, you know, you have to try to pray and pray and pray and let the Spirit of God uh, bring His peace. But it's hard to be thankful sometimes. But God says, this is my will for you, that you're thankful in all circumstances. What can you be thankful for right now in the circumstances that you're facing? What can you be thankful for? What is God showing you? What is God developing in you? Sometimes I think about King David when before he was king, before he was anointed king, he was just a shepherd boy out in, taking care of his father's sheep, and a bear came by. Now, if I'm tending sheep, and a bear comes by and wants to eat one of the sheep, I'm going to give him two. But David said, these are my father's sheep, they're not the bear's sheep. Uh, and he killed the bear. Later on, I don't know how long, the Bible doesn't say, but David's out there tending the sheep, and a lion shows up. And David thinks, well, he gave me the bear, so he kills the lion. I'm honest, if, if a bear came up, I would give him two. If a lion came up, I'd give him the whole herd. But David kills the bear. He kills the lion. And, and I wonder sometimes if he, under, if he ever questioned, well, Lord, why did you allow me to walk through these two different times? But you know, later on in his life, when he went to go see how the war was faring with his brothers, and he saw a giant, nine foot six, Goliath defying God's armies you know what David said David said God gave me a bear and God gave me a lion he can give me a giant do you realize that what you're facing today 
this is speaking to somebody. What you're facing today could be preparing you for what's to come tomorrow. And when you have victory today, it's going to give you faith to have victory tomorrow. But you have to develop a spirit of thankfulness that God has thought so much of you that he is going to take care of you in these difficult times, in, in these lean years, and he is going to bless you in the abundant years. But when difficult times come, you can thank God in all circumstances because you know that God will never let you down. So don't be anxious. Pray about everything. Develop a thankful spirit. And then, are you ready for this? Be positive. You say, look at verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if there's anything that is excellent or praiseworthy... Think about these things. Think about that for a moment. He's saying if it's something that's positive, that, that develops character, that develops life in you, think about those things. Because what we think about is who we become. If you think about the negative things, you'll respond in a negative manner. If you think about positive things, you'll respond in a positive manner. Because it's not about the things you have, but it's who you have on your side. Romans 8.31 says this, What then? Shall we say in response to this, If God is for us, who can be against us? Think about all the times that, that, that God has blessed you, that God has brought you through, that God has given provision. Perhaps you're thinking about the times that, that it didn't work out the way you wanted because you didn't trust in the Lord. For all of us that have those times that we trusted in God and we have those positive stories, all of us have had times where we failed to trust the Lord and it didn't turn out well. Are you here? Are you listening? It's in those times that you learn as well. Focus on the things that are noble, that are good, that are worthy, that are pure. And it changes and transforms your mindset where you can say, I can do all things. So why be positive? Pastor, why be positive? The easiest thing is, it's far greater than being negative. <laughs> Optimism says, hey, there's a way. There's a way. Did you know in the Old Testament that the priests, the high priest? was not allowed by law to rend his garment. Now, rending a garment in the Old Testament, and they still do it in the Jewish culture today, was a sign of great sorrow or despair that there was no hope, that you lost all hope, that there was no answer, that your heart was broken in two. And you see it in the Old Testament where kings did it, and, and even prophets would do it, and... and 
men and women would rend their garments. But the Old Testament is really amazing. It says that the priest was not allowed to rend his garment. You know why? You ready for this? Because it was the priest that went into the holies to holies and represented the people. And he could not walk into the presence of God representing the people and with a heart that says there's no hope in the presence of God. Paul says in Corinthians, don't you know that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit of God lives in you. What is Paul saying? that we are the kings and priests. God has made us kings and priests unto him. That there is always a place and there is always an opportunity for God to show up and show himself strong. Whether it's splitting the Red Sea, whether it's knocking down the walls of Jericho, whether it's making a, a, a dead branch bud and bring life, whatever the circumstance is, whether it's a, an earthquake that opens up the prison cells and allows um, people to, to walk free, whatever it is, God has everything in control and it's always better to be positive than negative because if you're negative you're always thinking about what we can do when you're thinking positive you're positive that you can't do anything but God can be positive the second thing is don't be anxious about anything. The second thing is this. Pursue the kingdom of God. Matthew 6, says this. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. He's talking about food and shelter and clothing and all of the things that we need, the necessities of this life. Jesus said, if you seek first the kingdom of heaven, get a kingdom mindset. How do you do that? Number one, allow God to lead. Allow him to be in charge. One of, one of my uh, things that really gets me about little kids, I speak about little kids a lot because I just love little kids. But when they start to learn, you know, like they're just wanting to tie their shoes. Or it takes them forever. Have you ever noticed that? You could tie their shoes and you could be out the door, but no, 20 minutes later, they're still tying their shoe because you help them for a while, then when they think they have it, it's like, okay, I've got it. And it just slows everything down. And, and it, what's amazing is you want them to learn but there's times where you want to move a little faster and you just want them to let you do it, but it's kind of like, no, I've got to. How many times do we do that to God? How many times do, do if we, we call out to God, we cry out to God, and God starts answering, and, and then we say, okay, God, I got it from here, sorry. I, I think I can handle it from here. Why do we do that? Why do, we, why do we not just cast all of our cares on him and say, God, you have it all? 
follow godly examples, Paul says this in verse 9, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. If you want to follow God, if you want to follow after God, if you want to allow God to lead, then follow godly examples that are in your life. It was a, a guy that in the church when I first started, James Bell, that taught me to learn to walk by faith. You walk by what you know, not by what you feel. It was James Murray, that a good friend of mine that was several years older than I, but he, he, was, the, he was the director uh, of one of the larger businesses in the, in the city, and yet I saw him come and crawl under my car and change, help me change the starter. And he taught me how to be a servant. Clyde McKendry. Love that guy. I can't wait to get to heaven to see him. I don't know if he, if he went past maybe eighth grade. He taught me how to intercede in prayer. And he didn't teach a class. And it wasn't eloquence in word. He was not a wordsmith. In fact, when you walked in and, and, in prayer, uh, perhaps in a, in a situ situation like this, and he was in there praying and you walk in, you would hear him over there. And, and the only thing he would be saying is, Oh, You could hear that groan from deep within and all of the hair on your arms and the back of your neck would just rise because when you walked in and he was praying, the presence of God was imminent. And over all of the eloquence and over all of the flowery speeches and prayer, what drove me was I want the connection with God that that man has that is lost in prayer. It was powerful. It was life-changing. And it has changed my life. Who is in your life that you can emulate? Who is in, in your life that you say, man, I would like to pray like that, or man, I'd like to have that servant's heart, or man, I would love to have that compassion. I'd love to have that forgiveness. I would love to have that understanding. Paul looks at the church in Philippi and says, what the things that you have seen me do, the things that you've seen in me. He said, don't just admire them, but put the ball into play. Don't just admire an equality, but emulate the quality. How many uh, men in here learned how to swing a hammer by reading a book? Putting L.A. on board B. Take hammer C, hit thumb D. That's how you learn not to swear. 
you know, I, I learned how to swing a hammer, and I'm not the greatest, but I, I'm good enough. And I've learned how to swing a hammer by watching these guys. Just tap, boom, tap, boom, tap, boom. They just had a rhythm, and they could just drive those nails with one, maybe two hits, and it was gone, and they were just moving. And I would try, and you know what? I, you know what? how I learned? I bent a lot of nails. I'd put that nail on there, and I'd have the hammer way up by the head, and that nail would bend over, and I'd have to straighten it out. You know, and, and then you, you, know, you see the nails that are bent over. We've all been there. But you know, you have to bend a few nails. The guy that was able to go didn't get there overnight. And you're not going to get there overnight. If you want to be a person full of love, you're going to have to practice and demonstrate love in a lot of different situations. God's not going to just say, poof, here's love. Paul was trying to say, if you want to allow God to lead in your life, look at people around you and emulate what they do. Emulate what they say. Understand their heart, their character, their conduct, and it comes through experience. The last thing is simply this. Trust Christ. Look at, look at verse 11. He says, I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned. Isn't that a great line? I have learned to be content. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content that I can do all things. What Paul was saying is, the key is simply this. You have to learn, and the only way you can learn is to be put in a situation where you choose well. I've learned to have a lot. I've learned to have a little. I have learned to trust God in difficult times. I've learned to trust God in good times. And, and you come out at the end of the day when you've emulated people and you've allowed God to lead and you've trusted in his word, that's when you can say, I can do all things through Christ all things that are not easy but all things that are possible trust in his ways Joseph trusted in his ways and 14 years later the vision the dream became a reality the three Hebrew children understood what it was to walk in the flames of the fire. Daniel had to smell the breath of death. But they trusted in the Lord. They put it into play and God delivered. I don't know what you're walking through today. I don't know what circumstances, whether it's spiritual, emotional, physical. But I do know this that God will not leave you nor forsake you. God is there with you, and he will always deliver in his time and in his way. I'm going to ask our praise team if they would come back. 
I've often wondered why God didn't deliver Daniel before he went in the lion's den. He could have. Why didn't Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Why didn't he just put out the fire? Why did they have to be thrown in? Why did the person that threw them in have to be consumed by the flames? Why did Paul and Silas have to be thrown in jail? In all of those circumstances, do you realize that one of the key similarities is that other people were watching? And other people realized that the God that these people serve is the true God. And their lives were changed. What you're going through and how you deal with it is not just about you. It's about others watching you and God receiving glory for a person that has trusted in him. God's not forsaken you. God's not going to give up on you. God will make a way for you. Trust in him. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall bring it to pass. Would you stand with me?